Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous nerds. We are the Marvel Mythos Podcast. This is Avengers Armageddon. We're going to be talking Avengers 373 to 375. I am your host, Brian Barley. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Marvel underscore Mythos. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Jake McCausland. Hey, guys. How you doing? And where can they find you on social media? Instagram and Twitter, JT McCausland. And uh, so... This is the conclusion, so it seems, of the Ooh. Gatherer story, finally. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one. In uh, issue 373, Quicksilver and Crystal return from his doctor's visit regarding his knee, and they find the Avengers mansion destroyed. From the rubble, all of the team arises, and it's revealed that Cersei did it after being arrested for murder. Black Knight takes off to find her due to his Ganjosen link with her. Meanwhile, Proctor talks with his captive watcher, Oot. He proclaims that Cersei betrayed him in his dimension and that he's been tracking down Cersei's and other Cersei's and other dimensions to make them pay. It's announced that the Cersei in the 616 is the template and he's going to make her pay the worst. Later, the Avengers track down Cersei and Black Knight, who have teamed up because of her mental connection with him. They have a brief battle with Cersei mopping the floor with them. Crystal, knowing all is lost, pleads with Black Knight to fight the Mind Link. He does and ends up breaking his Ganjosen Link for good. Cersei, enraged by being betrayed and jealousy, pulls the Baywater up and destroys the bridge they were all on. Then, as she weeps, questioning what she has done, Proctor approaches her, ending the issue. All right. So, yes... You heard right. Oot and Proctor are back. In case you missed the last one, yeah. <laughs> they are both back alive. I'm really struggling to figure out how Oot is alive because I he looked pretty much dead to begin with, and then so he was dead. There's no way that dude was alive. This has to be yeah. a different version of Oot. No, it's the same. They just did a really bad job of showing that he was alive. I guess, or yeah. that was like they put him back into the stasis stuff or whatever they were talking about because. That was weird. He was really looked dead in that last one. And he, then he looked really alive here. Like, not just like sick. He looked good. Yeah, he did. And uh, he even showed some emotion later on. Like there was the, <laughs> in one of the later issues. But yeah, he's definitely alive and kicking. And they I just, was very they just surprised. just skipped over it. They just threw it back in there. They're like, you know what? We put this deviant story in there. So now we can do whatever we want. And you'll be happy <laughs> that it's not more deviance because nobody wants to see that. Who needs to explain <laughs> things with logic when you can just say, look, look at how bad the deviant story was. Right. We're better than that, so you're good. You don't need any more explanation. Maybe we traded them for Oot. Ooh. I would trade Plot all twist. of them for <laughs> anyone. I don't even care. I, I, I would trade all of them for Dr. Doom. Like, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Any, anyone. Anyone random, is random better thought, than that. Even though we're off, tra- off topic. Yep. Why do you know background on Quicksilver with his knee? Because that was weird. Like, Yeah, I thought the, he got injured know. in Blood Ties, didn't he? I didn't read Blood Ties. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I should have, but uh, is that what happened? Yeah, so during the Blood Ties crossover, he has a battle with, I think, Exodus, and and I'm pretty sure that's when his knee gets messed up, and he's on the verge of death, and uh, Dane actually ends up saving him. Oh, okay, the... does like mouth to mouth or whatever. Yeah. I can't think of what the word is. CPR. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, when he kisses him <laughs> and brings him back to life, you know, like a Disney story, you know, he was... Love he was, Square now. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I told you off topic, but I was just curious because I read about that and I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I caught or caught my attention, at least in the first third of this issue, is Black Widow. I felt like 
we finally got a little bit more of her leadership role again. It's been kind of hit or miss where she acts as the chairwoman that she's supposed to be. I mean, we get her yelling at the lieutenant for not listening to her on how to handle Cersei at the beginning. Then she goes off on her about staying out of the whole entire thing because she doesn't want her involved and thinks it's going to make it worse. And then she even gives orders to the rest of the team like Hank and some of the other ones. Uh, were you at any point wishing for more of like Captain America being in that leader role? Because that's what we're used to, at least from the films. Or were you glad to see Black Woman or Black Widow? Black Woman? Uh, yeah, Black wow. Widow. Wow. <laughs> I loved seeing her in that role. Honestly, uh, it's it's been a long time coming. She's been slowly getting to that authority role. I think Cap stepping out really gave her the ability to jump into that role. And she was just kind of starting to perfect that leadership role. And then he came back. Yeah. And it almost felt like, hey, I just built something here. Why are you taking away from it? And I think they're doing a good job of letting her still lead that to where they can either be co-leaders or she can start the discussions, kind of like a team lead of sort, right? Where she jumps in and does all that work. And then her whatever comes in, Captain America comes in like, hey guys, here's how we're going to do it. But like she got everybody there, organized, ready to go, took care of the logistics, got everybody motivated. And then here he comes to say, now we're ready to go. Let's let's do this. And yeah. That's kind of what I feel like they're going to do with it. Yeah, it's like, uh, so I really like that she's the one doing the strategy behind it. I know we yeah. had that one issue where they were in the Andes Mountains and they got attacked by those things that looked like Sentinels during the Death Cry story. <laughs> and Cap had a good strategy that helped them get away. But I like that we're consistently, or well, not consistently, but we're at least getting Black Widow here doing the strategic maneuvering. And I think that's a, a good play for her because while she's a trained assassin, being an assassin doesn't mean you're great on the battlefield. So it's, it's good that she's the one behind the scenes, pulling the strings, setting everything up, organizing it, and like even taking on the leadership role so much that she's confronting a lieutenant because yeah. of this. And like she even went to the UN during blood ties and like separated their ties to the UN. So I like that she's really standing out in that chairwoman role. And I think what we, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the future. I haven't looked at what happens after this. I know that we've had Dane be the leader on the battlefield, but based on the way things conclude here, I'm almost left wondering, are we going to get black widow running things from behind the scenes? And then captain America steps into that Dane role that we've had where he's the one on the battlefield running it. I think you're dead on with that, especially knowing that the West Coast Avengers have disbanded. They're going to need some more logistics help there. And I think, to your point, having her background of... Having her background in general, she does a lot of that stuff. She's been used to the plotting, the, you know, how do I do all these kind of things? And she's been slowly in the back of this team really working her way up to to be a vital member and also she doesn't have the powers a lot of these other folks do but she has the determination and she has the you know she has the ability to get people rallied and ready to go and she's not afraid to step down from a fight even though she does not have any powers which i think is a huge advantage that she has whereas someone like herc can just go jump in and just do whatever he wants to do because he's a big guy he can do whatever he wants right like he can just throw himself in there she can't so she has to have strategy she has to have that and for them to go and see somebody that has a regular ability just a regular person essentially with you know obviously she has a lot more than just a regular person but in general and she's willing to go and do that i think that's a huge step that shows her being able to take that role too yeah and keenan on what you're saying there where she's technically just a regular human here she doesn't have any superpowers the fact that she commands respect from all of these people that do have superpowers and they're following her lead and then what you were kind of talking about earlier i think what's what's cool with her is we see that she's direct and able to confront when she needs to and usually she does it from a level-headed mindset and that's why like in this one she barely 
like barely, at least in the pages, loses her temper on the lieutenant. And I think it's Crystal that's like, whoa, whoa, Natasha, I've never seen you this angry. (laughs) And then she's immediately like, whoa, sorry, I didn't mean to lose my cool. And I'm like, you barely even lost your cool. Dane flips out 30 times worse than that in every single issue. But it's Dane. Point being, like, that's exactly right. Like, other people don't have that ability to control their emotions the way in which Natasha seems to be able to do. So I think that is a great... Uh, indicator of her leadership style and the reason that she is such a good leader. Yeah, and I liked, I did like the interaction with the cop. I mean, uh, so the cop's detective, her, it was her partner, right? That was, you know, so she has this emotion that typically you would have seen Natasha then be very level headed, knowing that that person was like, hey, like, calm down. We understand, but she wasn't like that this time, which I think goes back to Cersei being just off the hook crazy as we think yeah. right so i think to her she's has an immediate like you don't realize what you're doing like i understand but I, I expected to see a little bit more from her as to that nurturing role that you usually get and you didn't get that here she just was very much like let us do this and then she's like guys go now beat her <laughs> which um, was kind of different to see because that's one thing that i think she's got done a good job displaying in the past that she didn't do here that i was kind of like well that, that was different like that's a learning opportunity, right? But like that was one thing I expected to see from, especially like an Avengers leader. Like they have to be able to work with everybody else, and you can't just always say, "Oh, well, we're, we'll take care of it. Let us take care of it." Because at some point, people don't just trust you to take care of it because you could be doing whatever you want in the background, and they don't know what it is either, right? So like you got to work with the police. And I think that was kind of a learning opportunity for her because it seemed to. Sh- I think she went full circle on this one to really pick that up by the end. Yeah, so she was almost like so defensive of her teammate that she lost sight of what she needed to and working together with the lieutenant and the lieutenant was so upset about the loss of her partner that yeah. she was almost doing the same thing <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. from the police standpoint where really what needed to happen is the two needed to unite and work together and approach Cersei in a different manner than what happened but also to track Cersei down in a different manner because the Avengers go off on their own like there's this whole like like a chase not necessarily they don't depict the chase but it's stated hey we have to get to cersei before the police do yeah why like i mean other than the fact that cersei might kill the police but she might kill you like she has the ability to manipulate molecules and from what we see at the end she just takes (laughs) them out with relative ease and there's like the a battle with captain america and dane and it seems like they're going like toe to toe and then all of a sudden cersei steps in and it's over and i'm like well okay cersei you're you're clearly the most powerful current Avenger. So, all right, why why would you not want to work with the police or whatever? Yeah, but, it was kind of weird. And Black Widow definitely said, "Beat beat them there, <laughs> like yeah. get there, like you beat her." Because I mean, I think they just know how unstable she is, and they see what's happening. She just blew up the mansion with yeah. supposedly her closest friends, right? Like assuming that whatever those are the people she's been around the closest with. And for her to think that they're all against her because she was accused by somebody else and they just they were like, well, can you help us understand because they're trying to be the mediator for her to blow up their their mansion and destroy all that. That's saying something that I mean, there you can't mess around and get your regular law enforcement. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, yeah. you have to you have to be able to be there first. You, just, you have to. But what's kind of also on the flip side, what's kind of amazing about that is Cersei was so angry at the accusation that she blows up the mansion because she's also partially losing her mind. Yeah. But at the same time, she was coherent enough to make sure that no one that she cared about got hurt. That is that is true. Yeah, so like she blew up the mansion in a way that somehow miraculously no Avenger was hurt, but she's blowing up a mansion in anger and rage and 
you know, basically a childish temper yeah, tantrum. That's, that's true. So it's like, uh, so almost indicating that she's still battling with this whole who she is and who she's becoming hmm. or who she's accused of being. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's a good point. I mean, I just assumed giant man's giant and <laughs> just, you know, him and her just could easily protect anybody. You know what I mean? Like, so that was just my natural to go to, but I think it's a good point. Yeah. Cause we have seen her kind of put some kind of, I'm gonna call it safety stops, but there's always some kind of something that's kind of stops utter obliteration. Yeah, until until the end with the water, where she's just kind of had it, <laughs> and like that breaking point is the whole crystal uh, getting Dane to break his skin, chosen link with her, and uh, as much as we've seen Dane struggle with this Ganjosen situation, did you were you okay with the way that it that it happened? So, like, do you feel like they earned? Him breaking that? Yes. Or did, okay. I wasn't I, sure if you felt disappointed by it or if you felt they earned it. I didn't. I liked it um, for the fact that, I mean, to be honest, we brought him to the brink where he was almost 100%, well, Proctor, right? Pretty much at this point. I mean, he was so close to being that same mentality of psycho over Cersei, regardless of whatever we'll get to in a minute. But like, he basically became that... He was he was basically gonna do whatever she needed to keep her safe because that connection. Hmm. But if you go back to like the whatever was it, not was it the, the deviance with the mind the unimind thing or whatever or not the deviance but uh, so the Thane actor storyline with um, no the, the one we just did with the stupid the stupid one that was that was stupid one last time with the with the all deviance. the brains yeah. so like that was the same thing right Crystal got through to him oh yeah so she started getting through to him where Cersei couldn't or he was able to resist some of Cersei's urge to to you know she so she's kind of established that she could do that and now he's even more he's more confused so I think that made his uh willingness to go after Cersei even more than usual but he's still very close to Crystal in his mind that I think that was it she was going to save him or he was gone so yeah. I did like how they did that um it, I didn't know you could break a Gonjosen so in terms of like a reference point I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, it's like to me, it's like, Oh, like maybe you're, you're married. You get divorced. Is that like the broken connection? Like, Oh, he cheated. That's the connection. But this is different. This is like a mental established emotional connection that like seems like you're almost hardwired now. Yeah. I mean, your brain patterns are becoming the same yeah. from what we read before. And yeah, I, I don't know if the Ganjosen stuff has been written in Marvel prior to this. So I don't know that there was like a baseline established on what the, restrictions are that again Josen can or cannot go through but I did find myself reading this I felt good with it I felt like they've been building to this point and was totally fine with the way in which Crystal uh, got through to him and he was able to break it but I know that the whole love triangle between Dane Crystal and Quicksilver has been wearing thin on you so I wasn't yeah. sure with someone who had that mentality with their relationship if it would have felt uh, you know, disappointing that that's how it broke, or if you were good with it, I think I, we could see that. I do like. I think my favorite thing I like about it. Sorry to cut you off, but I think my favorite thing I liked about it was if you think of somebody that goes all the way to something, they're they're gung ho, they're driven, they get all the way to the end, and then they go crap, and now they now they're like, oh, that was a mistake, and they kind of revert, right? Like that's kind of how I think of like his. Like he's all the way there, he's all the way in, and then Crystal's got that voice that all of a sudden he's like, oh, oh, and that's enough to just snap it off. Like, but. You almost had to push him to the max where you almost had to choose between one or the other. I think that's almost my logic as to what broke it, but again, there's no precedent for me, so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And then, and then, uh, so Crystal gets through to him, and then Cersei loses her mind even more. That's kind of what pushes her even further. 
And I find myself wondering, is she, I guess as we're talking about this and we'll get into it a little bit more later as far as Proctor's motivations, but it seems as if Cersei is the Proctor of our, even though like she's not technically the doppelganger of Proctor, she's like that same side of the coin where like having a lover leave you for someone else yeah. is what pushes her to the brink in a similar manner that we find out later with Proctor. So I hadn't caught on to that uh, until we were talking, but I think that that current connection is probably really there. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Um, I didn't think of that either, but I do like that because <laughs> because yeah. I mean you're right. I mean she's she's I mean we'll get into why, but there's, there's a good, you know, that, that's a good foundation that you're basically, or that's basically what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, any other thoughts on 373 before we move on? Yeah. A couple of small things. So one thing is kind of neat. Um, uh, Jarvis, just a small role here, but the fact that he's able to let Quicksilver know about Proctor. Mm. So nobody else knew that Cersei was having dreams that she had ever seen. She never told anybody, which is kind of weird, right? We talked, I think you guys talked about this a lot, the last podcast, but she never told anybody about her dreams except for Jarvis and nobody told her about them me seeing Proctor. So both of you don't have any idea this is (laughs) happening, but had she have not had a nightmare and been in the garden talking to Jarvis, Quicksilver might not have been able to know that there was this Proctor guy. The fact that Quicksilver knew about Proctor was weird to me because I didn't think he would have known about it, but maybe Crystal told him since they're, I guess close enough, but he, yeah. he would have been, and for, in terms of what, what I've seen so far, I don't think he would have known about him, but I'm, you know, I'm obviously him and Crystal are married and, or, you know, whatever. So I don't know, but in general, I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing, but that was kind of a key thing that I thought was, it was small, but important again to, to resurface that, or Jarvis keeps resurfacing these small roles, but it's always a big, it's always a big thing he does. Like it's a small act, like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sandwich, sandwich a little bit you know but i mean in general he always has that good supporting role i think here it's also an interesting or a good indicator that when you have fear about sharing something or opening up from yourself or you don't trust people that you're close to it can lead to something even worse and we kind of get that here where like you said she didn't tell anybody but jarvis about yeah. what what she was experiencing and had she they might have been like oh I know someone who matches that description. Yeah, maybe or, I were. <laughs> right. Or if uh, they would have opened up to her and been up front like, hey, this is what's going on. We're concerned about your mental health and we've got this guy who's really pushing it and he's after you. We didn't want to freak you out, but you need to know Then maybe they could have had that dialogue and that conversation and they could have got ahead of this Proctor thing before it hit this huge yeah. bullying point. Well, I think you're onto something there it, it, and, and it's, it's the, it's, it happens all the time. You see somebody in pain, maybe you see somebody struggling with something, and you don't want to make it worse. And so you hold back information. You're not lying. You just feel like they can't handle that, or you feel like that's too much to handle or too much to put on them right now. And let them, you you know, you kind of wait and wait and wait. And at some point, you either wait too long, and now something's built up, and you're like, crap, they need to know. And had you have just told them the first part and, you know, trusted that, hey, maybe they need to know that, they're going to be fine. Or maybe that helps. You know, even though that's now an extra burden, maybe that brings a full circle and now it's a comfort or at least it's an action plan you can make out of that. Whereas I think a lot of us try to look out for somebody else by protecting them. And then we hold back information that really could have been critical and saved months or days. You know what I mean? You know, I think that's a really common thing that happens. And I wonder how much it is that we we justify it in our minds by saying we're doing this because we're concerned about them. But really, it's because we are anxious or nervous about having a tough conversation with somebody. Yeah. 
And it's I mean, more about protecting ourselves than it is about protecting them. And we just justify it by saying we're protecting them. Yeah. But I mean, even more than that, I think, uh, you know, you're married. I'm married. A lot, a lot of folks are married and you're living with somebody else, whether you have kids or just yourselves. And you always try to look out for that other person. But in the grand scheme, sometimes you, you think you know what's best and you don't. But you also, to your point, you're kind of looking out for yourself. Cause you're like, oh, like that's going to set them off or that's going to push them to where, you know, they're already having a bad day. I don't want to make it worse. And then when you tell them, like, I wish you had told me, I would have liked to know. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to make it worse, you know? And so I don't think it comes from a bad place, but I think it is, it's a hard, you're right. It's, it's almost yeah. selfish, but it's, it's a tough conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I had a couple more things. Uh, so Oot was, Oot is very neat to me. Um, we don't get a lot of watchers. Um, basically, I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, Watu. 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 Uh, he's the main one we see. Typically, he doesn't say many words. Typically, just shows up when crap's hitting the fan, right? And Oots now said multiple things, or he said something before, said something later, and then I think I think it was a Watu who said something last time when it happened. Um, if I remember correctly, but then he also he's crying here, which yeah. I think is very. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because obviously he's in pain, and we find out a little bit more about it. But in general there's these mannerisms of a watcher that you just don't ever see. So it's kind of cool to see it and, and not of a bad way. I mean, cause he's in pain, but it's interesting because he actually draw, they, they show that he has a, um, when Proctor is talking to him and he makes him cry basically for what he's doing. Cause like, it's just, you know, obviously sees what's happening. <laughs> yeah. We get human emotion from a watcher and yeah. normally the watchers do not elicit any real emotion. Which is they crazy. Just, they just watch. Yeah. I mean, I've, have you ever watched the show fringe? Yeah. Do you remember the observers? I think is what they called them. I remember them, dude. When watching Fringe, because I knew, I knew of the Watchers before I watched that. It was. I'm like, oh my god, oh, Trey, you're, you're this is the freaking yeah, Watchers. Yeah. I'm like, this is that's all that is. The observers are the <laughs> Watchers. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've always thought that, and they don't show emotion very much in that show, and it's similar to this where. We don't really normally get human emotion out of the watchers. So I made mental note of Oot crying because it was such an impactful thing. And I almost wish that it's a very small panel, but I almost wish that it was one of the larger panels. I do agree. It's a sad thing to say because you're seeing someone cry, but like the emotion he has is more than what you see from a lot of other other people. Yeah. And it was impactful. Um, sorry, I'm going to say one more thing. You're good. Um, so I thought it was interesting. So I, I don't know. I don't know much about the Eternals. I assume you probably don't know a ton about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how Cersei, she continues to keep saying uh, she feels bad and says, Zerus, forgive me. Zeras, Zerus. Oh. She's mentioned it multiple times. And so I, I was just curious. I looked it up. And apparently, Zerus was an Eternal that was born in Titanos. I, I don't know. Uh, which is one of the first Eternal cities. So, and he has a lot of, like, he's one of the, like, higher-ranking Eternals. I didn't look up a ton of information about him, but it seems like he one of the first, like, I think, like, the first family was before his, before him, and then he was, like, the second generation or something. But I'm curious if he's, like, a Zeus to the Eternals. I was I, about to say, like, I wonder if it's the same <laughs> as, like, with Hercules and Zeus, where, like... Yeah, because everyone says, like, oh, Zeus! And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, just, it was weird. I just, I, I, I was curious. I didn't look up enough, because I cared only a little bit um so i looked that much up and then the last thing i'm gonna say for that episode that i liked was i loved i liked how proctor's comment at the end he says you are not the one i love but as i used to say tis enough until until twill serve <laughs> like, so it's like it starts out impactful and then you're like um it went into like shakespearean levels of <laughs> <Yeah>. english <laughs> but it was just it was interesting because you know basically he he, he made a direct relation to you are not the one i love which basically is like 
clearly there i have another tension here um but you know basically like you'll do is how i kind of took it as like you'll do and you'll do fine for what i'm trying to do but you're not the one i love which is like oh that's interesting yeah yeah it is very yeah, yeah that's all i got for this one <laughs> all right uh 374 two eternal sprite and thena save the avengers from the flooding brought on by cersei slowly throughout the issue it's revealed that cersei isn't responsible for the killings proctor did it in order to set her up the police officer who attempted to arrest cersei learns this because sprite reverts to normal uh oh sorry because Sprite reverts to normal, the two officers who were thought dead in the water, they confess that it was Proctor who jumped them in issue 367. Elsewhere, Proctor explains to our Cersei that he was her Ganjosen in his universe, and that she basically got bored and needed more excitement from the world, so she left him. Our Cersei breaks free and is recaptured once more when she gets overwhelmed by Proctor's trophy room. It's hundreds of alternate Cerseis floating captive around the Watcher Oot. Meanwhile, Black Knight has an idea to search for the 616 universe version of Proctor. He thinks it stands to reason that his doppelganger could be the key to tracking down Proctor. As it's running, Crystal has a conversation saying she needs to figure things out before she can pursue her feelings for him. Quicksilver overhears this and returns to Black Knight later, asking him to give his family a chance and to let go of Crystal. At that moment, the search results come back. The 616 universe version of Proctor is the Black Knight himself, Dane Whitman. No way. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> they made it so climactic, but there's no surprise for me there. Well... I, I mean, feel like <laughs> there's a little bit of surprise. 15, but 15 issues ago, it would have been surprising. Yes. But they've telegraphed it now. It feels like so much recently that it's <laughs> like, well, yeah, duh. Why didn't they figure that out before? <laughs> He's been gotten Joe's and his freaking eyes look the same as Proctor's. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was interesting. I, uh, <laughs> I, I liked that Sprite showed up though. Yeah. That's cool. We haven't seen a ton of Sprite. I'm curious to know more about him. So that's what I was. So I like that you bring up that you like Sprite showed up. So I was wondering, like, uh, was I know that Cersei's an Eternal, and the Eternals had reached out before about Cersei going insane. So it makes sense that they show up. But did you think it was like warranted when they showed up, or a cop out that they saved everyone? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, I do. I actually felt that they were going to come back at some point. Because they gave the warning, and at some point, she has to still have some true friends that are Eternals. They couldn't all be like, well, screw you. Enjoy your mad wired. I don't, what do you call this? Manned weird? The disease? The oh, yeah. Manned weird? Whatever. They, they, they can't always be like, well, you chose to be with a human, so good luck on your endeavors and screw you. Right? So like, I kind of felt like at some point we were going to get something. Um, I felt like this was a good excuse to bring it back. Kind of like you said last time about like the lazy writing with some things. It was like, Hey, we can have all Avengers close to death, and then hey, we have a good excuse to bring bring them back, right? Um, that was kind of how I felt they did it, kind of a cop out, but I did enjoy what they did because it made sense, and I felt like they needed to be part of this because, well, we're we're losing time on how much they can be involved to really help her out. Yeah, that's and, that's a good point. What what I almost wish they would have done is just shown either in the last issue or even the one before it a just a couple of panels of some of the the Eternals like Sprite and Thena yeah. talking about, hey, we're going to go visit Earth and check on Cersei. Uh, yeah, I agree. So that there's this setup. Like in a TV show, sometimes you'll get like a, a sense that one of the characters is leaving this particular scene and you're not exactly sure where they're going to go or what they're going to do. And then 30 minutes later, when there's a big battle that's going on or whatever it may be or a big climactic point in the episode, 
they show up and you're like, oh, and then you can <laughs> yeah. see like how the dots played out that they were, that's where they were going. I mean, you can think of that in recent Game of Thrones episodes, sort of. I won't, yeah. I won't divulge into too much uh, about the new Game of Thrones season and my feelings on it, but there were at least a couple <laughs> of moments where they would plant the seeds, like this person's left this scene, where are they going to be? And then they show up. And so I kind of wish we would have got that. And then I think it would have felt less like a cop out. Was it a blood ties? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, no Sprite and blood ties? No, 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 no Sprite and blood, blood ties. I wasn't surprised on Sprite though, because Sprite was the one that seemed the most interested in helping last time. If you remember, was it Zerkaras or Zikaris? Zikaris. Um, who came down and they were like going after her. And Sprite was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he was that mediator. And so I'm not surprised to see him down there. I'm glad to see, I mean, he, I don't know what his power is. Um, so I do like also, we meet Thunderstrike, by the way, who shows up with Pietro and Jarvis and says, uh, basically the first thing he says, cause Sprite, Sprite is talking to them and he states, she's been pushed or something has made her, made it take only a few months for this disease to take on. Like there's no way it took on this fast. And right then Thunderstrike shows up with Pietro and Jarvis and says, that's because she was pushed. Um, side note, I don't know. Do you know who Thunderstrike is? Yeah. <laughs> He's it's Thor. our boy. It's our Thor. It's our boy Eric Masterson, um, which I thought was very strange to me. Uh, <laughs> so he was Thor, and then I was reading this thing, and I didn't. I, I probably butchered this, but so there was this incident with Thor where basically Thor was under some kind of spell. I, I don't. I didn't read it enough to like make good notes about it. But basically, within this <laughs> within this incident, Thor was under some kind of spell. They were fighting. Thor actually defeated Eric at the time. We were calling him Eric. Um, and then Odin renamed him Thunderstrike. There's a little bit more about that, but ultimately there was like this fight that basically became like, you're no longer going to be Thor. I, I don't really realize like why they have to have all these extra people. Um, but I don't either. I, was it Don so Blake I before thought, that? Yeah. Donald Blake. I thought, so like Donald Blake, my understanding is the real Thor. And I thought somehow the real Thor and Eric Masterson merged for a while. They they did. It was kind of like the Rick Jones Captain Marvel thing. Except for they didn't have Neg bands. They just were merged. <laughs> they, I, had, I, I, they had Mjolnir, not yeah, Neg bands. The more I read about it, the more I was like, "This is, I, yeah." <laughs> yep. So I knew at some point that Masterson was going to become Thunderstrike. I don't. I didn't know when we were going to see it. So like when he showed up, I'm like, "Oh, there he is!" And well, but I see. I looked at it. And I was like, "That looks like." Thunderstrike. Who's, who's this guy? What are we like making up our own name? Well, we are yeah. making up our own names. Uh, I mean, he can't much. be Thor anymore. So, what does Thor do? He controls lightning. Strikes with thunder. So, instead of <laughs> lightning, because lightning strike sounds weird, let's go with Thunderstrike because it sounds less weird. Yeah. And I love that he's got a mallet that looks like Mjolnir and he's like, I don't have a mystical hammer. I can't do anything. You got a mallet. What, Use well, it. They make a point to call out in the the like Marvel wiki that it's a it's a mallet, and I'm like, but is it made of the same stuff? Yeah, because he specifically says it's not Mjolnir, but it's still a mallet that I, I don't know. It has to have some mystical powers. Yeah, there's got to be not like an Ace Hardware it. mallet. <laughs> he went, oh gosh, yeah, he went to Ace Hardware or back then maybe Sears. You're back right. In the day. He's like, this is a Craftsman mallet. I got a Craftsman mallet this right on here. sale at Kmart. <laughs> Oh good lord! Yeah, I was I was glad to see him. He doesn't he doesn't seem to do a whole lot. I mean, he saves some people when Black yeah. Widow yells at him to t- do something. So there she is coaching the team again. But he no, definitely he was, pulled an Eric. It was he was like <laughs> the me. most bizarre one to see show up because like at least the Eternals. I'm like, all right, I get it. <laughs> but like Thunderstrike, what? 
right. Anyway. Yeah, so I, so we've been dealing with this gatherer story and the Proctor stuff for over, it feels like at least over 20 issues, and it would have to be because it was before 350, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah. so we've been dealing with it for a long time. How do you feel about Proctor's backstory regarding Cersei leaving him? Does it feel contradictory to anything we've read before? Does it feel like strong enough motivation for his actions? No, it's lame. Yeah. That's what I was. I think that's it's, what I was thinking. It, it's it's fair. It's it's such a a mind crushing. Like I was so excited that Cersei and him were like the leading Avengers on their planet, and they were they were just supporting the world. And then she became in love with a robot, and she crashed all the Avengers, and she killed everybody, and then like, ripped his heart out. Like something brutal. Like the way this guy is. No, she just didn't love him back. Yeah, she she created this eternal connection, and then it was like, ha, "Good luck, buddy." And then, so I almost find myself wishing that Proctor had either been like a world leader, or maybe like the leader of the Avengers in his universe. So and was then, he not though? Because he made a mention about his team. Well, multiple times. Well, so what I want to go is okay, and then not having any real mm. connection to her, and she. F- destroys the world and he's like hey i was the protector of this world and i can't allow her to do this in every single one of them like hmm. i would have been better with that than just being like that oh, makes sense my girlfriend left me so now i'm gonna go track down hundreds of circes and confine them around oot and <laughs> right but like how have we not seen them before now because we've been in his lair a whole lot like, we haven't seen that side though. But where were they at? So like, the, I think this was in his private room. So do you remember the private room that he went down into, where we said, "Oh, he must have been talking to Oot," but they never showed the room. I bet this is what that is. And then he just brought Oot up when the Avengers yeah. were there. So then, on top of that, that entire tower was destroyed. The tower so, was, but he wasn't that in a ship. He initially was in a ship, and they came down to the tower where they were at. The tower wasn't where they were because he was plotting all that kind maybe. of stuff. They were in some kind of like ship from space, or they were they were something like that. It, mm. it wasn't it, the, the tower was only a temporary place where they were like in the Andes. He bought a he built a two thousand feet high temporary tower. I Sounds mean, like something Proctor would do. He probably was crushed, and somebody he's like, "Have you ever been heartbroken and left on your wedding night?" They were like, "Yes, <laughs> you can have my tower." He's like, "I only need it for two days." Yeah, just two days. <laughs> I just gotta throw off the Avengers for a couple of days. Uh, and he's got like a storage container or storage locker. That he's got uh, all the Cersei's in somewhere else, you know. Where can I put my Cersei? He's uh, like, anywhere the Cersei can go. He's got like he like walks up to the storage facility and like he's checking it out, you know, like a storage unit, and he's looking around to make sure no one's looking. He leans right. down and pops the lock on and opens it up real quick and shuts it down because he doesn't want anybody to see the hundreds of Cersei's hanging out inside of there. No, he's it's weird. It's it's bizarre seeing all the Cersei's, especially like the whole thing he's been claiming all along is that he wants to kill all the Cersei's, and then he doesn't kill them. He just can takes them and now he's here to get the main one which, yeah, is, which is which which i wondered if that had a a ganjosen link or was it just colored similarly to make you think of like see it almost made you think of like the red eyes being like an evil like a yeah. overwhelming power that you can't quite handle that's kind of how i took on the ganjosen right so like dane didn't always get it but when it comes on it's like it's overpowering and now you've got all these Cersei's in the same function in a revolving round of watches and i'm like i wonder if there's still that connection somehow whether they're dead or not 
that's keeping them in this kind of stasis. I mean, it seems ridiculous, but we're talking about a bunch of dead people that are floating yeah. in a stasis around a watcher. So I don't know, but that was kind of my thought was like, it has to be some kind of connection to that. Like they do a good job coloring and doing those kinds of things when they're connected that I thought, I think might've been what they were trying to get at, but Maybe it was just randomly a bunch of Cersei's around a watcher. I think it was just randomly a bunch of Cersei's <laughs> around a watcher. Uh, yours, your theory there makes sense and it would fit, uh, but I never at any point reading it got that. It was just to me like he's been abducting all these Cersei's and this is where he's storing them for some reason around a watcher. Like It's almost like he's rubbing it in his watcher's face like... Like you didn't, you didn't step in and fix this, so I destroyed everything. And or, on that same note, your job as a watcher, now you can just sit and watch everything I've destroyed. Oh yeah, which is apparently only Cersei, <laughs> which is a whole lot of Cersei's. <laughs> Cersei. Poor Cersei. Poor Cersei. I did. I did like how um, they mentioned that you could feel Ood's power so intense it's almost tangible. I thought that was very cool. Um, when Proctor says about him being lost into endless sleep, yeah. which is weird because then he wakes up and he talks and cries. I, yeah, it's not an endless sleep. Endless sleep is death. Right. So clearly, Oot's not dead. So maybe all these Cersei's are not dead. They're in this random planet. They can just push them back to where they're supposed to be from. It almost looked like a whole <laughs> bunch of Cersei's hanging out like, um, oh gosh, Lord Halloween Gar. decorations? No, yeah, like Halloween decor- <laughs> decorations. No, like how Lord Gar... And yeah. uh, the Deviants had his five uh, human... Or If Proctor had a bigger head, I would give you that. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he's got the ego. Uh, the last thing that I really wanted to bring up from this issue is Quicksilver. If you were in his shoes, would you have gone and talked to Dane like that? Or would you let Crystal go yourself? Um, Stumped you. So, well, and it's, it's funny. So I, I thought this when I was reading it, I was, I was trying to go through this whole thing in my head, right? So you kind of get this whole love connection. And then some of you said, cause I don't have the background on what happened, right? I know she had cheated and then she's still in love with him. They have a daughter together and she wants to make it work. She's an Avenger. She should be moral. So she's trying to like, how can I make this better? Maybe, maybe not. Um, in general, there's a lot at stake. And now, now she feels like she's breaking her vows with her husband, who she's actually starting to love. Cause originally like when they first brought everything around, it seemed like this marriage is bad. Things are bad. Things are never getting better. And you were like, okay, like that sucks. The infidelity thing sucks. But at this point I feel like it's probably done. Her and Dane seem to be a good couple. Like cool. Get him back at feet. All of a sudden now flip the corner and jump ahead. 10, 15 issues. We've literally watched her go from like my horrible marriage to, Oh my God, I still love Pietro. And I have a daughter with Pietro and Oh, now the guy that I love is again chosen to Cersei. Yeah, <laughs> and you love can, Square. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you kind of see this 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 pattern, and then I feel like as Cersei or as Crystal, she doesn't know what to do, and and she is stuck. And I think both Dane and and uh, Pietro see that, and they're like, I don't. They both want her, but they both, you know, I, it was interesting because one thing they said about that when she said it, she said, um, I think. She basically trying to decide, right? And then she said, if she states the wrong, if she chooses wrong, the wrong choice can destroy. And I was like, ooh, that's a really interesting way to say that. Cause so she knows that she basically has two of these guys that are strung on to her and that she's going to crush one of them. And when you look at the larger picture effect, I feel like Dane is the less of the two because she has a son with Pietro. Daughter. And if she crushed, daughter, whatever, Sorry. Luna, 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 whatever. Yeah. Uh, if, if you take that, 
out of that picture. I think that kind of brings that in there. So I feel like Pietro did a good thing talking to him. Now, I do feel like what you mentioned about blood ties, which I didn't read, having that connection of he saved my life, that made it, I think that opened that window, that door for him to say, hey, like, could you do me this honor? Like, I knew you've already saved my life, but at least that's now they have something other than that they both are in love with Crystal. You know, that's an excellent point that you just bring up because in Dane doing that, he shows to Pietro or Quicksilver that he's an honorable man, at least yeah. mostly. So yeah. that gives Quicksilver the the confidence in knowing that if I approach him about this, he's not going to just disregard it. He actually has some semblance of honor to him because, I mean, for all Quicksilver knew before this, he could have thought Black Knight was just a D-bag right. because he's sitting here macking on his wife the whole time. But in a scenario where, you know, he could get rid of the competition, he chooses to do the right thing and, and help save Quicksilver. And so now Quicksilver can trust that he's, he would do the right thing when presented. And I think also to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, where when we first started reading this, it felt like their marriage was in shambles and over. I wonder if Quicksilver would have been quicker haha, to get over to at least start to work past what had happened. Would she have ever found herself being attracted to Dane because mm-hmm. Quicksilver would have been there and they would have been working through this marital problem. Instead, he sure. wasn't around and she started to find comfort in something else. And so it, you know, that whole time she was building that relationship with Dane when she could have been restoring her relationship with Pietro. So it's almost in a way, I wonder how much that, uh, you know, Crystal brought the pain on herself from regarding Quicksilver, but then Quicksilver brought it back on himself regarding Dane because people in society have a tendency to take other people for granted. And then on top of that, you have people who are unable to forgive yeah, and then it just creates this, you know. Well, and you make a good point too. I mean, and a lot of people, and not even, but in general, right? People are, you get your heart broken and you get crushed and you give up. Not saying that always happens, but at some point, people are having trouble, right? They have it happens all the time. People get together, they get married, they try to have kids because they think it's going to make it better. They do all these things, and ultimately, there's these problems that they never really solved. And what ends up happening is they're like, things have got to be better outside. I don't love this person anymore because we always fight. We always have whatever. And they finally are like, I'm done. Something happens, um, affair or something like that. Then that's, it's not necessarily that that's the cause because it's usually not. Like there's something fundamental that happened before you ever get to that point, right? Like they're not just like, I mean, maybe they are, but most times it's not just like a, oh, well, I wonder what this would be like. It's, you wouldn't have that thought if you were, you know, not with, you, you wouldn't have that thought if things were perfect, right? Like that yeah. just wouldn't be the case. So I feel like a lot of people have these thoughts like, what's green on the other side? Well, she went out the other side and she had her affair. I don't know the backstory. Maybe she was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Pietro, forgive me. And he was like, no, you never forgiven. Like whatever. Like I'm, I don't know, whatever that may, you know, you know, like maybe that was the case or maybe she was like, I'm, I'm just done. Like this is me being done. She didn't feel bad and she was just ready to move on. And then as time goes on, she feels better. So that, that backstory, I don't know, but I mean, from like a relationship standpoint, who knows, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like all those things are just so common that people are unfortunately willing to give up and it is hard to forgive. And something like that's a huge thing to forgive. But if that person, you know, sometimes it takes a bad thing like that for someone to realize what they really have and not that that's the answer yeah. and then, <laughs> or justification, but you know. And then holding on to unforgiveness can lead to 
further problems for yourself, which I think we're kind of seeing here with Quicksilver yes. because had he been able to work through forgiveness with her, I'm not even saying outright forgive her immediately, but at least work through the forgiveness with her, then I don't know that she would have fallen for Dane the way that she did. I agree with that. And I think yeah. I think it's hard too if you look at that, because if, if if you if you would have gone that route, would she have felt the same? Because now she's right in the middle of this love triangle and she doesn't know what to do. Yeah. She's like the she's like the cowbell thing. She's dinging around, right? Back and forth. Like, what do I what do I, what do I do? I don't know what to do now. I made my choice and then that's I think that's what strikes Pietro to be like, Can you back off? Because like as long as we're both after her, we're gonna make her crazy. And I think that is the core there is like and if Dane's like, no, maybe Pietro is ready to be like, well, then I have a talk with her and I kind of back off. Because I think he sees it just ratcheting her mind. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. He watched her have that conversation and saw how torn she, torn mm-hmm. she was. So uh, any other final thoughts on 374? Um, Random. Did you know that Natasha's real name was Natalia? I did. I did not know that. I learned that yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a random thing when I was talking about her earlier and I was like, I don't know if that's even... Um, it's totally random, but I did. I did think it was interesting uh, how she said when Natalia, Natalia was like, uh, "Cap and Jaiman can handle anything." I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, interesting." Um, and then I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. So this trophy room that we're talking about. Back to this Jacosta. When did I m- just forget Jacosta? This like no, gold she robot? showed up in uh, 372, I think, where he pulls her in. But I don't know a whole lot with her. This is after they all got destroyed in the Andes Mountains or whatever. This, and then, yeah, this is okay. like the he's brought a new team together. Okay, and she's on that team. And I did, I did want to call out. I did think it was very cool. Before we get to any part of the next step, that even Jacosta and the other gather follower, call it whatever, start to doubt Proctor's intentions after they see the swirling Cersei's around Oot. They don't. Um, they don't totally think he's whatever. They don't like go. Oh, it's understandable. They start to doubt, and and it was very. And they made a good point to really show that the um, that they that they thought this mission was noble to stop Armageddon, because they continue to mention which I honestly I keep forgetting this for some reason, um, but the fact that this is a prime reality that apparently on Earth six one six this is prime reality, and so. Um, this prime reality for which all others are based is basically what's basically making the time travel like alternate realities okay. You take this away and you crush a lot of that. And so when he explains to them that basically if we don't stop her, Armageddon's going to happen there. That's going to affect every other reality, every other time period. And I thought that was something that I honestly, I did not pick up on before. And even though we've kind of talked about it, it just didn't really sit home with me. And then to see his followers kind of go, well, we're still with you because we come this far. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very good point. Like that's a that's a huge implication of this entire thing. Whereas um, we've been talking more about the relationships inside of the story as opposed to the ramifications that come from the decisions that are being made. And it is something that uh, that I hadn't, for some reason, made note to bring up. But I'm really glad that you did because it it is the whole the problem basically. Like instead of it just being about the damage that this is doing to the Avengers, it shows how widespread this actual damage is if this carries on. It also justifies the name of not only our episode, but of the actual issue that we were just talking about. And it also justifies the involvement of Thunderstrike and the Eternals and the Avengers because this is a big moment that's taking place. 
So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, three seventy-five. <laughs> Using the combined energy of the Watcher, Oot, and Cersei, Proctor opens up a vortex that is collapsing the six one six and other universes. This vortex is in the middle of the city, and the Avengers team up with Sprite and Thena of the Eternals to put a stop to Proctor and his new team of gatherers. In the midst of this all-out battle, Proctor uses the Ebony Blade as he battles Black Knight. The six one six Black Knight was too afraid of the madness that that blade causes, but Proctor embraces it. As he nears killing Black Knight, Quicksilver saves him. Then Proctor turns his attention to killing Quicksilver, and Crystal and Thunderstrike save him. Then Cersei bursts from forth from the <laughs> vortex, angrier than ever at being manipulated, captured, and Proctor's attempt to kill Black Knight. She slays Proctor herself. Afterwards, she's terrified because she knows she will continue her descent into madness. The Watcher Oot uses his last breath to restore things to as if Proctor hadn't existed Saving the city, in so doing, he also opens up a green portal. Uh, sorry. In so doing, he also opens up a green portal that Cersei believes will lead her to peace. Black Knight chooses to go with her and effectively tells Crystal they both know they weren't right for each other. After vanishing into the portal, Crystal walks away, weeping. So, this is the big battle. This is the culmination of the Gatherer story. Where does this battle rank for you? And what we've done on the podcast. Battle versus the other battles? Mm-hmm. This is not up there with me, for me. Really? I, I loved the finale. I loved how they ended this. Don't get me wrong. But from a battle perspective, there was definitely cooler battles earlier on in the Gathering story. Okay. Like, if you, even even the Andes Mountains had a lot more stuff. I mean, this, this was cool because it's taken us this much time to get to this point. And now you're seeing this and you're going, that is... That is a cool battle because we are finalizing something. But if you were just to take this and it wasn't finalizing anything, I don't think I'd be impressed with this battle. So I think as a standalone battle, it doesn't have a whole lot of unique selling points to it. But I think in the context of this gatherer story, I felt more emotional weight in this battle than I did in the other battles. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, so I found myself more engaged in this battle. While this is the one I'm least likely to take screenshots of and show people, I'm more likely to remember at least the ending or the ramifications of this battle than some of the other ones because of that. So like we had big battles in Operation Galactic Storm, which were beautifully done and really unique in the way that they were shown, but I didn't feel any weight in it. And this one, I felt the weight because we've been building to this. It's characters that we've grown to love and we're seeing them struggle and the finality of this whole gatherer story and what's going to take place and how's it going to wrap up. And so, like I said, in that sense, I was into the emotional weight of this battle more than I was the physical or the artistic expression of the battle. I think that's a good point you bring, because just thinking theatrically, right? Look at Infinity War, look at Endgame, look at those massive, massive battles. There was a ton of action and a lot of weight because you had background on all those characters getting that point. But take something like this, we had big battles that were smaller but you didn't quite know the characters yet. You didn't know everything that was in at this point, every basically, I mean, obviously different, different way to look at it, but everything's at stake. Now, every single thing for these people is at stake right now. They are fighting for this world's existence essentially right now. Right. So like it may, I, I, to your point, I just didn't think about that, but you're at the weight of it is way more. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was impressed by the actual battle itself um, from like a artistic standpoint, or whatever, but to close out the series, they did it perfect because you can't, We've already introduced a lot of weird people, <laughs> a yeah. lot of like weird characters. You can't like bring this stuff back at this point. So you're you're basically saying Cersei 
versus Proctor. And that's pretty much what happened. And she was like, not a battle. You're done, bro. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> I think, I think you're right. And that, that, that's where the weight did happen because that's what happened. <laughs> she was, once she got free, that was, she was like, I'm ending you. Which back to our, our last comment five minutes ago, had someone have told her this freaking guy was going around like <laughs> this could have been it, over twenty five issues right. ago. You see her power. <laughs> yeah, I mean she took on the freaking Avengers in three seventy three, <laughs> fine on her own, and uh, now now she finally breaks free from his captivity here, and she just annihilates him in no time. And and again, in most stories, you get a whole lot of build up to a final battle. So there's not a ton that ends up happening in the as far as character development or story development inside of the battle. It's That's more true. the battle itself. So I feel like there's less to talk about from this issue than the other ones because we've been building to this one. And like I said, the, the biggest thing for me was the emotional weight of the battle. I think it's interesting that Quicksilver saves Dane. I know, I like that. Yeah, so we get a flip of blood ties. So Quicksilver also shows that he's a little bit of an honorable man. He hesitates. He does. But, but so did Dane. Yeah. From what I heard in your podcast. Yeah, so I get it. <laughs> I understand why you would hesitate in that situation. But in the in that moment, he makes the right decision and he saves yeah. Dane. And then uh, I think Quicksilver gets hurt right after that. And then Crystal steps in. But Especially because Dane was already struggling. So like we talked about how he asked him the question last time. Dane never gave him an answer because all of a sudden he found out that he mm. was the proctor and that was above all else. <laughs> and then we get his answer here. He's stepping away and he's going to yes. go with Cersei, Cersei into this green portal. I think it's kind of a bit of a cop out though, that everything reverts back to as if proctor didn't exist. Yeah. Like I didn't know the washers were that powerful, but okay, I guess they are. So, all right. This is like the, the big theme in Marvel events or probably comic events. They can events. make whatever they want happen. Yeah, I mean, you make these big events happen, and then you're like, eh, and most people don't remember it. But yeah, that that was weird to me, though. To your point, that <laughs> what, what do you say? All existence is at risk, and I mean, I just, I don't know the whole thing with him saying there's another way to save Cersei, and other than killing her, it's just like I just felt to restore everything back the way it was is weird. Yeah. Like, what kind of decision. power do you have? Because, like, the Brooklyn Bridge, the World Trade Center, right? Like, they took down the Trade Center, I assume, yeah. which was which was interesting to see because, like, you know, now you don't have that because it's not uh, up. But, like, being in the 90s, what what year was this? You know, was this, like, 92, 93? Uh, this would have been, I think, 94 now. So, was this after the first bombage of the World Trade Center? That I'm not sure. Because I was curious that they mentioned that, and I was just thinking, oh, I wonder if that was around the time. Because they had, the, you know, in the 90s, there was the first attack. Yeah. Obviously, totally different than when it... I don't remember. I'm not a horse historian buff. Sorry. You know more about the stuff than I, I, I do. I know comic stuff. <laughs> you usually have the relevant the relevant events. So, but in general, that was something that had happened around that, in sometime in the 90s, uh, I believe early 90s. So, like, that was interesting that they did take <laughs> the World Trade Center, which is, you know, a huge deal. Um, so, that, that was kind of cool. But then to just be like you know what, guys? We're just going to put it all back. Yeah, we're just going to put everything back the way it was. Yeah, you, you remember that, that Lego set that you built and your brother knocked over? <laughs> we're just going to put it all back together and it's fine. There's no problem. Any other thoughts on 375? I have a few. I do. So I thought it was kind of cool. So I liked the battle scene. So talking a little bit about battle scene. So we didn't talk a ton about it. It was a good way to start off. Um, Hercules starting to attack Proctor and Proctor's like, oh, this happens every time. You always think you're going to outman me and it's just, was kind of cool to see the continual like 
cocky attitude that Proctor has versus like this has happened time and time again and nothing changes. Um, I thought it was interesting that he utilized the energies from the Watcher and Cersei to collapse the realities. Like that was yeah. that was a strange comment to me. I guess it makes sense with her molecular manipulation abilities and then maybe the Watcher's reach. Which that makes me wonder if that's how he was able to restore things was using maybe there was some trace elements left of these other Cersei's that he's able um, to use some of their elemental elem elemental elemental uh, molecular. <laughs> molecular or whatever he could use some of that to restore that was what i was wondering because to your point i don't think the watchers can do that they're supposed to be just watching but this dude is (laughs) doing a lot which this dude interferes a lot (laughs) oot is the watcher i would want in our universe because he's making sure everything's fine i 100 percent agree with that yeah um ebony blade was cool you ever heard of ebony blade i had briefly heard of it i didn't know much about it i still don't know much about it but i know a little bit more thanks to this one um, was it the one the that the original Black Knight used, the one that was evil? Yeah. So it's said that the Ebony Blade, basically, you would get the blood curse once you killed from it. And so I guess that's why Dane never wanted to use the Ebony Blade. So I assume he has his own. I don't I don't know what that was. So I did look up a little bit about it, and it did say that the Ebony, Ebony Sword was created by Stan Lee in Black Knight number one, by the way, in case you're nice. curious, uh, back in Atlas Comics 1955. I didn't write anything else about it, but that, wow. that was kind of cool. But it was used by the original Black Knight, and I don't know if the original Black Knight that was written. So, like, I started reading up on the on the Marvel web. There's actually the original Black Knight number one on there. I don't know if he was the bad one, or if he was actually if that was like a good one before. I don't know because um. there there was a. So this is where I get confused because I keep calling it Black. There was actually a. Is he Black Knight? There yeah. was a Dark Knight that was in like Avengers like two hundreds or like one something like that that has been someone we keep I keep seeing fight like a Tony Stark and those guys and I don't remember I don't remember I think it was Dark Knight I think it was separate and I always think it's the same guy but it wasn't but I do know that Dane has talked about his ancestors being evil so I don't know I assume that they're related probably I didn't know but anyway I thought I thought that I thought that the Ebony Blade was a pretty cool thing uh, I liked the Thunderstrike summon so when when Crystal says basically thunderstrike i need you to summon lightning he's like oh yeah oh i'm eric i can't do anything with lightning and she goes i don't need to do anything i just need you to summon it and i forgot that i think it was probably one of my favorite parts and she takes it and she uses that onto proctor which that's right which was what was kind of like the crux to like get it all going i was like crystal who's jealous of cersei also just saves basically cersei's life to get her to break free from that too so i liked how they kind of used that together where even though they all have this weird love triangle square, they're all still Avengers that are at, that are having each other's backs regardless. I like that that she did that. Uh, I also like that she's in the 2% and Eric wasn't. <laughs> and this shows exactly why. And she's like, I got a great idea here. And lightning. I did lightning up top. Yeah. And she's like, dude, I control the elements. Just make it. And then I can use it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I... Maybe you have more background on this, but this seems weird to me. So he makes a dimensional rift, which is an opening for pocket reality. What does that mean? And does she come back from that? Is that just a random universe that she can go heal herself? And then in 150,000 years, she can come back? Or You know what I mean? Like, because this was just a weird, the way that they're supposed to be eternal. And then when they're with the human, they get sicker and sicker. That's what they I keep saying. I almost feel like it's a pocket that's created that's outside of the dimensions. So it's kind of like its own little thing that isn't actually connected to the dimensions where she can go and either like restore her mind or just like 
live out in peace. See, that's what I was wondering because I was like, and then when Dane says he goes with her, I'm thinking they literally said that if a human is with an eternal, <laughs> they're going to get sick at some point. And now you're going to this pocket reality where now nothing can happen. Are you just not going to age? I wonder. Well, I think aging will happen, but I think that the two of them being together, he will help restore her sanity so that she can retire. And then he'll die because he ages and she doesn't. Or, yeah, I mean, it's comics, so they'll both just come back fine. Well, that's that's probably you know, true. Um, they're just hanging out in the subterranean. Was a, Where was that place at with the deviants? Where was, Lumeria. Yeah, under the, under the, they're it, in Lumeria. It'll be a different, a different underground thing. <laughs> Um, I did like uh, an, another thing I did like a lot. So they talked about the redemption powers of love that he heard from Pietro, which I thought was cool that Pietro mentioned that to him. And then he did basically use that those same words as he was basically walking away to be with Cersei and say, you guys have fun. Enjoy. Um, I don't know if that matters to anybody else. <laughs> then it matters okay. to all of us. It does. <laughs> um, so I did read that on the rating scale number 29 on the greatest avenger story is the last is this or the gatherers <laughs> yeah number one was under siege which i don't know anything about and number two was the korvac saga which i can say is probably my favorite the korvac saga was awesome wow um but in general i thought that was cool it was number 29 just so it at least was relevant and not super relevant people didn't love it but they didn't hate it i mean it's top 50 that's pretty solid for a franchise that's been around for it, well, 60 that's, years that's true especially when you get to what was it, 430 issues by the time that they stopped the first first run yeah. And then, did you read this stupid thing at the end? No. The giant man story? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that one. It's a small part. Yeah. You can't talk about it? I've Do you love this? I, go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, my last note before this is Crystal's heart's broken. Um, then, <laughs> then I get to random giant man. I literally wrote random giant man small part. <laughs> <laughs> he's like strapped to something where he wants to like test his mind. It's obviously like a guest writers and stuff too. Cause like the drawing is not great. Um, and then he goes, he basically goes back with these ants and he gets put on trial because of killing ants. Cause he basically, oh he summons the <laughs> ants to help him. You know what I mean? Like whenever he does things. And then because of that, I think there was two ants that didn't come home or one ant that didn't come home. And so they put him on trial. All these ants like get <laughs> giant man <laughs> And then he, and then like he's on trial and the, they vote to put him to death. And like he is, he's, he's in some kind of weird like chair where he tells Natasha, like, don't wake me up unless I hit whatever. And, he, and then like she's talking to him through this thing and he's like, not yet, not yet. So he can hear there's like this helmet thing. And then he wakes, wakes up from this whole thing at the end and he's like, I am a hero. And like the whole thing was like to give himself that he's a hero and not like an ant killer. I, I don't understand it. I guess maybe he feels like a murderer <laughs> the way that he uses ants for his own. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. I almost really want to see like a Paul Rudd movie where he's on trial <laughs> by the ants. I, yeah, right. Like, like that would be <laughs> like, like, was it Pixar's ants versus yeah. Paul Rudd? <laughs> oh man. Like to putting, having put on trial for the death of Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was cool. It was, it was random, but I just thought that was kind of neat to see. I had not seen that one before. Um, yeah, that's really the main stuff I had. I, I will say we didn't talk at all about any art while we were talking about this. Uh, I did want to mention a couple of things. I thought the art was very well done yep. across all the series. And if you have the actual comics, there's a sweet killer poster page on 
375. I'll have to take a picture and upload it to my Instagram, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's super that. cool. It's actually folded up into there, and it it's it's a big poster. I mean, it's probably a 18 by 20 poster. I can I can uh, speak to this and say it is amazing. And even our producer was like, "You need to frame that and hang it up because it's <laughs> awesome." <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So if you do actually buy these, uh, the one for 375 was pretty cool. It had a little bit of like silver's lining and everything and it had that in there there's a couple of random i have cards in one of the other ones it was, it was just a cool cool series so it is so now that we've finished the the gatherer story this is the end of the gatherer story man we've been talking about this for what months now we've been so, gathered here talking about the gatherer so story. we finally get to rate it <laughs> and our rating system goes like this one to three ban it for marvel canon like the deviant story from last month uh, four to seven, borrow it, read it on the Marvel Unlimited app, check it out from the library, borrow it from a friend, or eight to ten, buy it, own it, put it in your long box. How do you feel about the gatherers? So I'll be honest, I have a little bit of toss up here. I I own most of these. <laughs> so with with that in mind, I, I'm actually very happy that I own them. Had I have just read this on the app, I would have probably said a seven to a seven and a half. Uh, I like the story, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, I want to go and buy those comics. Like they were cool, but there wasn't like, there wasn't a ton of draw because I didn't, when I started, mm-hmm. I didn't have any emotional connection to most, of these, to most of these characters. Watching them grow and really get connected to them, I really like a lot of these guys that I didn't care for at the beginning. Like I'm, I love Iron Man. He wasn't in this. Like my favorite characters aren't in this. Kind of like Travis talking about like the throwaway Avengers that just kind of randomly pop up, right? That was kind of how I felt with this series. And as we got closer and closer, I really got more and more connected. Um, I will say holding the comics in my hand for this one, this one and seeing how cool a lot of these covers are and the stuff that's inside of them easily gets me to like an eight, eight and a half. Um, but story-wise, if I was just to read off the story, I would say like a seven. Having physically seen the comics, I would probably say I'd probably land on a solid eight uh, between everything on, on this okay. whole series. I like that. I like the distinction between the, the digital and the, the physical. For me... I have been thoroughly enjoying the gatherer story all the way up to this point. I, I think it ends well. I think it ends a little less than I anticipated it ending, at least as far as like the way that I was drawn into it. And I think if you were to go back and read them all together, you're going to get a whole lot of repetition. And so I think (laughs) as an overall gatherer story, it probably lands at a seven for me. And yeah, being the fact that it, I think when you read it all together, it will be so repetitive because it's so much of the Dane, Quicksilver, um, Cersei, and Crystal love triangle, and then so much of the collector or not collector, the Proctor, just um, gathering people left and right. Yeah. And it seems like spanning it out so long is a great idea because I love seeing long drawn out stories like this. But I also think that this could have been shortened because there is so much repetition in it. So for that, I give it less than an eight, but it is a definite 100%. You need to read it. Uh, if you are a fan of the Avengers, especially if you're a fan of the lower tier or what people would consider lower tier Avengers. And to your point, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I've grown to actually care a lot about these characters, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect when we started doing this podcast. I was looking forward to the captain America's, the Thor's, <laughs> the Iron Man's, yeah. the black widows, and instead, I've gotten into the Cersei storyline, the Crystal storyline, and uh, and Black Knight even. So even even Hercules, who like I yeah. didn't even really know was an Avenger. I mean, like I don't know, he's an Olympian, right? Like, and all of a sudden he's an Avenger. That I'm like, grow your beard back, man. Other than that, he's 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 a good, he's a great. But to your point, they they seem lower tier, 
but from an, an Avengers perspective, being well-rounded, I think is really nice to put that in here. Yep. And if you'd like to be a part of our second opinion piece, which we do from time to time, please reach out to us on uh, Instagram and on Twitter at Marvel underscore mythos and email us at Marvel mythos podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, Marvel mythos.com for a full list of upcoming episodes all the way throughout August. And then you can uh, let us know which one you want to contribute to. And uh, next week we've got a special limited series, Deadpool, the circle chase. We're going to be talking and we'll see you next time. In the entire year and a half that I've been planning this, there was one episode that didn't have all of them on the app. And I missed it because it was a crossover thing. And the main line that we read is on there. So I thought, clearly they'll have the tie-ins because they've had it on every other one. No. Is that Spider-Man? <clears throat> Yeah. I do like that. So this one does not say anything. <laughs> That's because the gatherer one would be like so broken up because it's like three yeah. issues gatherers, two issues not, two more issues gatherers. Welcome to the Deviant Zone. Not. Which, by the way, I'll make a comment real quick before we start recording. I wrote this down earlier listening to your podcast. So I felt like autism <clears throat> gave them an excuse to justify his obsession with the bull medallion. Remember his parents saying that he kept talking to it all the time yeah. and they they played that off as like a way to have him have like a friend that he talked to that they thought was and so they used the autism to pull into that otherwise if it was a normal kid talking to a medallion they would have thought he was psycho so tying off of that what if the kid wasn't actually autistic that's what they thought he was because he's talking to this medallion and i mean they're in peru so they probably don't have access to the same medical right. facilities and it was 25 years ago dang i had been on the second episode Sharnado, by the way and I was so happy that you mentioned Sharknado. I was like, yes. <laughs> but to your point, it's all about what you're looking for. I didn't read this to go, Ugh. I mean, I did. What I would love noise. to see is like one of the most critically acclaimed writers. So like get like Jonathan Hickman or Brian Bendis or somebody big and be like, here, write something with Delta Force and see what they can do. Nacho Libre 2. <laughs> like for real if I were I mean for real you could right if I were one of, yeah I mean could if I were one of those writers I'd probably want to take something that was challenging and make it good and there's nothing more challenging than Delta Force from anything that I've read yeah. <clears throat>